Welcome to The Frontline, a leadership and business podcast brought to you by Peregrine Corporate Services, an Isle of Man-based fiduciary provider. My name is Martin Hall, and thank you for listening. In this podcast, we chat to an array of business leaders from different sectors to learn more about them, their market, skill sets, and knowledge. We hope you enjoy. In a moment, we will be joined by Liz Cuthbertson of Mercer Hall. We conducted our chat over Zoom and encountered a few technical issues. You will hear a little bit of feedback on the audio, but please bear with us as this is only temporary. Thank you. Today we're joined by Liz. Liz, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. So perhaps to provide our listeners a little bit of background, where did you uh, grow up and uh, your education? So I grew up in uh, West Yorkshire. I was educated um, at a grammar school in Halifax. And um, following my school education, I attended Reading University, where I studied German and Italian. Um, Following which I went off into um, chartered accountancy training. Um, Just to go on the on the uni point there. What 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 made you decide to do this, those studies particularly? So when I was at school, I really enjoyed studying the languages. Um, though I didn't study Italian at school, that um, came later at uh, university. But I really enjoyed studying French and German, and German was my favourite subject for some time. So. Um, it was a natural choice to study modern foreign languages and mm. joining the university particularly interested me at the time because they had a very strong Italian department which I was hoping to take as a third subject which I did so in the first year I actually studied three languages French German and Italian right which I had to make a choice so that I could only study two to honours degree level oh. and um, it was um, it was a tough decision, but actually I really enjoyed the Italian, so I, I dropped French and took the Italian further, which I'm very, really pleased that I did, because it was a great experience living in Italy as part of my degree course, and of course um, combining that with German, it's quite an, quite a, an unusual combination, yeah. um, I, but it's very enjoyable. I haven't ever learnt, learnt any languages, and it's probably still struggling with English, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I assume part of those studies you, you learn about their culture and the background as much as about learning how to speak the language. Yes, um, that's absolutely right. My university course was German and Italian studies, studying the culture, the history, um, the politics and literature associated with those countries. So it's much deeper than just learning to speak the language. Um, and to be honest, that that is something which um, has really benefited me because having spent time studying the languages and living in both of those countries, I've, I would say I've got a deeper, much deeper understanding of the people and their cultures. Yeah. Um, and that helps me today in the work I do and with um, clients from, those, um, from Germany and Italy. Yeah, interesting because I recorded a podcast earlier in the week exactly on sort of cult- cultural differences and, and, and knowing what they are to help benefit in regard to client service, but also the networking and, and building relationships in those other places. So yeah, it does sound like a good a good bedrock. You mentioned there about going then to study accountancy. What pushed you in that direction? Well, to some extent, I um, fell into it, but I I, I was 
interested in business and combining business of some form um, with the languages um, and, and so chartered accountancy was recommended as a business qualification and funny how things sort of happened because I was um, you know I, I joined the graduate recruitment um, uh, milk round as it was and and um, was offered a training contract with KPMG in London and then a few weeks later um, they approached me KPMG approached me to ask if I would be interested in doing my training in Germany in Hamburg so by that they wanted to um, run a bit of a pilot scheme whereby somebody from the UK would train for a UK qualification um, but actually do the work experience in another country and obviously um, having just finished my German studies um, this was mm -hmm. an amazing opportunity which um, just fell into place I, I, I went over to Hamburg was interviewed met some some of the colleagues um, and I was you know I was packing my bags at the, in in early September that year um, to start a very new and sort of changing uh, life, professional life, um, first job and first experience of the workplace in a foreign foreign place, speaking a foreign language. And interestingly, everything was conducted in German. You know, people say to me, "Well, most Germans speak really good English," but actually, everything was done in German. All the work papers, uh, you know, occasional English words were used, but the um, the expectation was that German language would be spoken at all times. But so my German vocabulary just expanded and my ability to converse in business environment with business technical um, vocabulary just grew. So, um, and that kind of happened without me realizing it. Um, but it was, it was really fascinating. I mean, working and living in a foreign country day in day out is very different from when we're a student and we just go on a six-month placement to study um it, you really start to immerse yourself in life true life um and um you know there were times where i was probably thinking automatically in german um and going back to your point you know about the the, the people the culture when you're there all the time and you're just fully immersed in life you do really embrace that other culture in every way um, and, and i think that does enable us to um, connect and communicate better with people from um, from those places that we've experienced that absolutely i'm sure and how long were you with kpmg out there so i was with kpmg um three and a half years um, and um, at the end of, so finished my training in 1997. Um, and um, again, sort of funny way things uh, work out. I was, I was interested in, in exploring tax as a, as a subject, um, but obviously UK tax is not the same as German tax. And for various um, non-professional reasons, personal reasons, I, was thinking of coming back to UK. So having made that decision and having come back to the UK, I was looking to expand my um, 
sort of technical training, perhaps with some tax qualification. And, and actually, um, I eventually moved across into, um, in, into tax as, a, as an area to um, specialise in. Um, but that took a little while. Um, and um, you know, looking back, obviously it's another, it's another training contract, it's another, it's another, uh, another set of exams to do. But um, I haven't really looked back because I really enjoy advising clients on their UK tax affairs. And, um, and actually, it's part of my um, next steps, if you like, coming out of Germany. Um, what I found was I didn't easily and automatically fit in with my peer group. So, you know, I, I'd been working in Germany for a number of years. Um, and all of my work experience was German, German led and was um, connected with advising German um, companies. And when I came back, um, it wasn't easy to find a natural um, home for me to go to immediately. And so I ended up um, working for a short time in private equity. I worked in the back office of a private equity firm where I um, uh, learned a lot from the head of tax and also um, got into advising and becoming aware of the offshore planning that, is, that surrounds non-domiciled individuals. And, and that was very interesting and the, the um, private equity environment was very interesting um, and was a, an experience outside of professional practice an experience of working in industry and seeing things from a different angle, yeah. also working with different sorts of people, um, so, people from all around the world. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that's where we've obviously uh, done a little bit of work together in that sort of residency non-dom space. So is that, that, that when you look back at your career uh, to this point, is that that? that experience there, what sh I suppose shaped you to go in the direction, well, not in the direction, but pushed you more down, down the stuff you specialise in today? Yes, I think so, because um, I was working in the tax department and the work I was doing was, was quite varied and, and the head of tax was um, advising the key executives on how to structure their remuneration from the private equity um, um, in a tax efficient way, which sometimes would include offshore vehicles yeah. uh, where appropriate yeah. um, and um, um, that's where I, I was also doing my training my, my tax qualification and I was studying evenings for the tax exams and um, having done a, a few years in an, in an in-house industry environment it was becoming clear to me that if I really wanted to um, progress in the profession, more than I had to get back into the profession, but I had a choice between doing more of the same and becoming very, very specialised at a very early stage in my career in a niche area. Um, you know, private equity and co-investment, it's quite, it's quite specialist stuff. Yeah. And actually, yeah. I wanted, what I was missing was the, the people um, aspect of servicing clients. Um, I've always said, you know, I, I, I would say that I'm a people person, so I, I like to get to know people and that was an aspect that I was missing so I moved back into the profession um, to specialise in tax and in particular in international 
areas of tax, which led me very nicely into advising offshore domiciled clients. Yeah. Um, and that took you to Mercer. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Mercer and Hull um, presented an opportunity to develop myself in, in the way I wanted um, because we, as a firm, we, we, we always say we don't, we don't set limits on where people can go and how many partners we'll have and so on. It's an opportunity for people to, to take ownership and develop their own career. And, um, and that was you know, very, um, came at the right time and very refreshing. Um, and I was able to um, join Mercer and Hull as a, for the first couple of years or so as a partner's assistant before making my way through to partnership. Yeah. And I've now been a partner for just over 10 years, um, looking after a very broad range of clients. Um, clients from the UK, of course, we have lots of UK domicile families. Um, mm and we advise on all areas of the UK tax legislation for them. Um, but also many of our clients, particularly London clients, um, are from overseas. I have a quite a big number of European clients, and in particular with my language abilities, I have German and Italian clients particularly. Um, and that's always been very nice for me to be able to um, have those and keep my language going and yeah, yeah. have so, that more of an affinity with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so, so to, I suppose without, well, maybe more of an overview in regard to the, the, the residency in non-domicile, that's an environment that obviously continues to take, change with tax legislation. How do you, you know, over the years, have, do you just enjoy that challenge of that being updated over time regularly and, and meeting those challenges and then meeting the client's needs because I, I don't know does it come frustrating at times when the as i suppose as, as an observer these goalposts change in regard to the the taxation and the rules or do you just find that as a challenge and and enjoy enjoy managing the clients through that i think there's, there's always going to be an expectation of some um changes on the tax legislation front so we, we always have to anticipate that any advice we give um one we could only ever advise from a position of current legislation and we always say that to clients but not nobody can guarantee that things won't change in the future and and but we we always have to acknowledge that legislation can and does sometimes change and so when we do advise clients and on particular transactions I think it's always important to consider, um, does this work now, medium, longer term? What if there's a fundamental change? Could it be something that would still hold um, um, benefit for the client? Um, and I'm, I'm no doubt that we'll see further changes in the legislation. I mean, over the past few years, Martin, we've seen so many changes for clients from um, for our non-domicile clients. And um, at each stage, there's been a, um, a reaction on the part of clients. Um, and of course, some of these changes have not been always welcome news, but changes come in and they become um, familiar and the impact of them becomes um, familiar to clients and we adapt. Yeah. yeah. And 
work, we adapt our response to client situations as a consequence of new legislation. Planning and looking after clients, it's always, it's always evolving. It's never done and finished. It's a continuing dialogue with clients. At the heart of everything is the relationship with clients, knowing what they're doing, um, what's going on in their family, what their goals and objectives are. And legislation changes will always come and go and affect things. But our response to those comes from being close to our clients and being able to help them navigate their way through it and find the best solutions. Um, so, you know, that's something that we are yeah. Um, yeah. particularly proud of. And I think you kind of it's almost doubled or tripled at the moment with I'm sure for the number of years, although it seems a long time ago that that Brexit discussion started and obviously it doesn't really get a headline anymore with everything else. But that and I, I, I'd guess the with COVID, I'd assume also being locked down again, if people are stuck in certain locations, where perhaps they were fleeting in and out of before residencies now, as this goes on, a, a serious concern for some people in, in ta tax aspects and, and not getting caught out. On their residency aspect that's right um I, I think over the past few months um well certainly a few of my clients have specifically contacted me with um worries about their residence position because they are um, situated they find themselves in places they hadn't intended to be and i've got um various examples i could give you on both sides i've got clients who are who have been detained in the UK for longer and equally clients who are detained in overseas countries for longer than they had expected. Um, uh, that's quite a, a topical issue. Um, we've got HRC guidance at the moment on on how they will that how they've said they will um, um, regard people in that situation, though there are limits of course to the number of beds that they will um, disregard when looking at their resident position but we're all experiencing something new and I would hope that there will be a practical yeah. Yeah. and sensible approach to how somebody's circumstances will be regarded if they are um, genuinely detained in a place for reasons outside of their control so We'll have to wait, watch the space on that and see what happens in practice. It's not being tested, but the guidance looks helpful now. Oh, that's good. That's, oh, that's good. good. So you mentioned earlier when you were at the private equity firm, the head of tax and working with them, and I maybe got the impression that a mentor potentially mentor, a mentor to your career and you had mentors that helped you? challenges to going to Germany and working in that environment which I would not have anticipated as a as a young um, employee in the workforce 
but she was really encouraging in all respects and really helped me settle into life one in a new country but two work life um, most of my um, year group most of the, the uh, most of the um, my colleagues who were starting their training contracts were a good few years older than me because in Germany they tend to have had some um, work work experience um, in the workplace before starting their contracts and their university degree courses take um, a bit longer and so they have a, a slightly different model and um, it, it didn't it, it was just one of those challenges that start entering the workforce at 23 and both of the other my colleagues were that bit older with more experience I could have I suppose I felt daunted by it um, but I was incredibly well supported um, I mean, by Maura particularly, because um, she really sort of helped me and encouraged me to um, um, to find my feet and, and to feel at home, but also many others. As well. And um, I learned so much from being thrown in at the deep end in a in a in an environment which was you know, re really quite. Um, long hours, very early start, long hour, long days, um, working and socialising with um, the same people, and <clears throat> and a very competitive environment. Um, and I think that there might have been a bit of um, you know a bit of um, wondering, well, how how is this twenty three year old going to be fully qualified in three years when they're the 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 German equivalent qualification is is a longer training. Mm -hmm. um, so the, 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 what Just I'm trying to say is, I had to I had to be part of the team. I had to be welcomed and be fully accepted on an equal footing and. For me, looking back, it, I, I learned a lot very quickly from how to deal with people by just being in at the deep end, um, not just professionally, but also, um, you know, winning people over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I have friends, colleagues and friends from those days today. Um, and I have a, a very fond memories of my time there. And um, I'm very grateful to some of the people who really helped me and um, enabled me to fit in so well. Yeah, yeah. And, and early on, early on, obviously building relationships with clients and the importance of that. I suppose expanding that a little bit further, when you're uh, perhaps just looking to network generally, so perhaps looking at new, new business, so what have you learned through your career and perhaps that might help listeners to, to who want to continue to build a network again? Let's have a new client, have a new client, new contacts. So, in terms of net, building my network, yeah, yeah, just from your experience, how how you how you achieve that? I think with networking, it's I I keep a very open mind about who I will who to get to know. Um, because I've had, certainly I've had business development come from the most unexpected 
um, and impromptu conversations. <laughs> um, and so whilst networking, you, you have to have a um, I, you know, I have a I have a plan. I have a, um, a a vague strategic plan as to where I'm going to network and the sort of people I want to get to know. But I also keep an open mind because through just talking to people and um, getting to know people well, like-minded people, people who have um, common values and expertise that is useful to my clients. These are people who will probably um, be people that I am working with, and um, you know, getting get, taking the time to just pick up the phone and have a have a, a catch up conversation. Certainly over the past few months, where we've not been able to meet face to face, yeah. just having yeah. a conversation um, over Zoom. Um, and, and finding out how they are doing and sharing our experiences, brings us closer together. So I think, yeah, always be following up. That's crucial with networking. You know, if you go to an event or attend a webinar, um, it, it's all about following up, starting to meet new people. Um, people have, you know, everyone's busy and we don't stay in people's minds unless we're visible. Um, yeah. And if we can't yeah. be visible face to face, we have to be in people's minds by being available, being available on the phone. And it's a two-way relationship. I give my time generously to people to say, look, if you've got anything you want to run past me or talk about, just give me a call. Because that pays off in the long run. People will, um, and I, I've got many contacts who have come out of this sort of arrangement um, whereby we we each help each other and we've got to know each other very well and we trust each other um, and I think that's really important to networking um, yeah. and just yeah. following up with people I, whether it's I, a business contact or, or even clients you know um, certainly during the last few months I've had many conversations with clients where I've literally I've just picked up the phone just to see how they how they're doing yeah um, yeah I think so and and not keep keeping an open mind and not closing the door on experiences I've I kept in touch with people who have been um, um, re, who've made really good impressions over the years and I have a contact from my time in Germany who I now uh, refer people to for local advice either in a local town in Germany where necessary um, so it's always good to identify good quality people who you want to get to know but also make sure we're just ongoing available keep them keep, look after people <laughs> yeah and if you've got yeah. those contacts and you can point clients if you can't help them in that direction then again you you're, buy, you're buying kudos with the client down for potentially down the road as well. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, so if people want to reach out to you, Liz to chat about, you know, whether it's, you know, well, ta tax matters or, or reach out and have a conversation. What's the best way to get in contact with you? So, um, I'm contactable on um, my direct extension at Mercer and Hull, um, okay. um, which is O2. I'll share that in our show notes, don't worry. Yeah. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, I'm 
any, anyone can find on the Mercer and Hull website. Um, okay. And, okay. Um, and, and yeah, those, those would be the three best ways to contact me Great. through the Facebook website and my, or my direct telephone. Um, I'll, I'll add them to our uh, show notes. So if any, uh, you know, when people want to reach out, by all means, uh, do so. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Liz, and uh, it's been really interesting digging into your background and the cult, certainly the cultural aspect, which seems to be uh, a subject we're talking about a bit at the moment. So thanks again for your time. Thank you very much, Martin, and it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everyone.